You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 54. In this episode, I'm speaking to Chris Ducker about how to pivot your personal brand. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. Today's guest is Chris Ducker, who is a podcaster, blogger, speaker, and the author of Virtual Freedom. Through his book and his business, Chris became known as the VA guy, but has been able to transition his personal brand and business to become known for the Upreneur community. In November, Chris will be hosting his first Upreneur Summit in London, where I am also going to attend. You'll find links to Chris Ducker and show notes of this episode by going to sigrun.com forward slash 54. I am super excited to be here with Chris Ducker on The Sigrun Show in the first 100 episodes. Thank you so much, Chris, for joining me on the show today. It's all my pleasure. I'm very much looking forward to it. So we met at Social Media Marketing World at the bar (laughs) earlier this year. Funnily, funnily enough, a couple of Europeans (laughs) at the bar, right? (laughs) Yes, yes. And you just said, oh, oh, I opened doors early for my Upreneur Summit. And I was like, whoa, what is that? I checked it out. And of course, I signed up. So I want to talk about how Chris Ducker went from being known as the virtual staff finder to being the Upreneur. Well, I think, uh, wow, that's a, that's a big, big question. It's a big, okay, big let's, question. Let's um, go a few years back. Then. Yeah. Let's rewind a little bit so that there's some context there. So I started basically 2009, I burned out as an entrepreneur myself. If we go right to the end of 2009, I had about 130 members of staff working for me. We had just had our first seven-figure year as a business. So obviously, on the outside, from a business perspective, we looked very successful and very happy in our place and all the rest of it. But the fact was that the deep down, dark, horrible, dirty secret was that I was very unhappy. I was very unhealthy. I was very much tired. And I burnt out. I, you know, finally those 15 hour work days for three years caught up for me. And I burned out. I was in the hospital. I was on antidepressants. I lost a load of weight. And when I came out of hospital, um, myself and my wife went away for a week or so. And we said, you know what? This can't continue. We want to continue to build and grow the business, but it can't be completely all out reliant on me doing everything anymore. And so by the end of 2010, which was the year that I started my blogging and my podcasting journey, I had all but removed myself from the business completely from a day-to-day perspective. Um, I actually hired eight people to do that. And then (laughs) that's how overworked I was, right? And what I did throughout the course of the year is I started, like I said, blogging and podcasting about the journey to become the virtual CEO, which was what the goal was, right? And that's when 
the whole kind of avalanche of virtual staffing, team building, productivity, delegation master, that kind of stuff, all sort of started to gravitate towards me and my personal brand, which at the time, I didn't start. I didn't go into this thinking, I'm going to build a personal brand. It happened. It just happened as a direct kind of cause and effect thing, right? And so by the end of 2010, removed myself from the business, carried on blogging and podcasting. Going into 2012, I get an email one day from a publisher in the US that says, we want to do a book with you about virtual team building. So Virtual Freedom was published. And that kind of then really solidly put me on the map as the VA guy. That was it. And so at that point, you know, the keynote presentation invites come along, the high-level consulting and coaching comes along, and all these different other things started to develop. And this ecosystem around me and my personal brand of products, coaching, consulting, books, live events, masterminding, all these different things kind of just ended up happening. I mean, obviously, there were certain things that I could have pushed away and said no to, but I didn't. But what happened was I started to build out what I now call the Youpreneur ecosystem. And that's where you can ultimately future-proof your business by building it around you, your expertise, and the people that you are passionate about serving. And so that's how I kind of pivoted from the VA guy to the Youpreneur guy. But you had the product, let's say you added the coaching. You also have this great week in Asia where tropical people think from tank. all over the world, yeah. tropical think tank. It's like an aspirational thing. It's very, very cleverly done. Like everybody wants to go there. Very few can actually go. <laughs> and you've had that for a while. How long have you had that one? Well, we've done tropical think tank four years in a row. And at this point, we don't know whether we'll do it again to be honest with you. And I say that because, number one, we've got the Youpreneur Summit coming up, which you you know mentioned in the intro there, in November, which has always been the big plan, was to always do a larger event, affect more people, help more people, that kind of thing. Whereas Tropical Think Tank is a week-long retreat, really, of about 75 people, including speakers. And it was very high-end. Like I said, it was 4500 US a head. It was very limited, very intimate not for everybody although everybody wants to go so there was <laughs> there <course>. was <laughs> there was always that kind of after the first year we didn't even have to market it quite frankly no, we we would literally no. hit publish on the that. landing page send yeah. one email and it would sell out within a week it was absolutely insane so i think what we might we might end up still doing tropical think tank but it, it will probably be a slightly different format. I don't want to talk any more about it right now because we're still no, no. kind of yeah. in in the throes of figuring it all out, whether we actually want to do it and if we are, how it will look. But it could still potentially happen. If it doesn't, then there's definitely still going to be a Tropical Think Tank-esque event happening on a yearly basis where it's smaller, slightly higher ticket price and more intimate and that sort of type of thing. I still, you know, for me... My number one favorite thing to do is to bring people together. That's what I love doing above and beyond everything else. I know that it's a struggle as an entrepreneur. It's a lonely journey at times, particularly if you're online, particularly if you're working at home. And so I just have this 
ever-evolving, ever-growing aspiration to just bring people together and to try and cure that entrepreneurial loneliness that we all feel from time to time, you know, myself included. I get lonely sometimes too, you know what I mean? So I think, you know, for me, live events is just honestly the best way to be able to do that. The second best way to be able to do that for me was to be able to create the Youpreneur Mastermind community online where people can come in every day in our private forums. They can go into our acceleration library and consume and learn from our proprietary training and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, the forums are the guts of that community. And, you know, people can sign up for a monthly or an annual option. It's very reasonable. And we help people from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people from all around the world every day with that. But for me, bringing people together in person is the one thing that I, I thrive on more than anything else. I absolutely love it. I can absolutely see it. We met at a live event, you know, yes. at a bar. There you go. <laughs> I want to talk about the pivot a little bit more. If anyone listening, they are already known for one thing, but they would actually like to be known for another. And what it sounds like, you added some products along the way before you make the pivot. Could you describe that a little bit in more well, detail? Well, I kind of did. But I didn't. And when I say that, I don't mean I don't mean to say it to be vague. But yeah. basically, not necessarily products, but more experiences. So I was holding a lot of one-day mastermind events around the world when I was the VA guy. But you see, yeah. understand, I've been in business as an entrepreneur for 14 years. I've built several multi-million dollar businesses, sold, acquired, merged, all that kind of stuff. I have, you know... I have a lot more that I can talk about other than just virtual team building. But at the time, obviously, I was known for that. But once somebody turns up at a mastermind event and they start getting into the nitty gritty of learning how to read a profit and loss statement properly and the importance of goal setting and execution of goals and, you know, how to, you know, get your suppliers to give you discounts and all these other little things that are very, very important for business owners to attain as skill sets, they understand, oh, Chris is actually a bigger deal than just the VA guy. And so the masterminds were there. The masterminds were there. And I think that's what came over with me towards that pivot time and then into the focus of the personal brand entrepreneur or the youpreneur kind of era that we've been in for a couple of years. And honestly, for me, I this is my next 10 years. I'm that passionate about it. I'm that excited about it this is where i want to be now helping these kind of people you know coaches consultants speakers authors bloggers podcasters anybody building a business around them and their their personality and their experiences they're the people i want to help right now more than anybody else on the planet so when you make that pivot something remarkable will happen and actually two great things happen at the very same time. When you make a pivot, the people that get you and love you and want to be part of your circle, they will naturally progress with you towards that pivot. The people that don't like the direction that you're going in will stop following you. And that's fine because you've got to the point in your journey where you can't help that person anymore or you don't want to help them anymore because you want to focus on other things right and what happens is that every stop as you pivot 
And and pivot is a word that's thrown around a lot nowadays. A pivot can be a huge pivot, or it can be a very, very small pivot, right? So a huge pivot would be one minute I'm a health and fitness coach, next minute I'm a professional dog walking coach, right? That's a ridiculously huge pivot we're talking about. But a small pivot could be one minute I'm focused on creating a weekly podcast to serve my community, but the next minute I've decided I'm going to pivot, I'm going to start doing Facebook Live videos every week. That's a small pivot, right? So at every stop, every little pivot that you make, you will lose a few people, but you will gain some people as well. And I call that marketing like a magnet where you want to attract the best and repel the rest, right? (laughs) So you're attracting the people that are what you are all about, that they're your tribe, they love your vibe, right? Whereas you're instantly repelling away the people that you either can't help, don't want to help, or they just don't like you and your vibe. And that's just fine because we want to be surrounded by the people that get us and what we're all about. Perfect description. And I love that you talked about you were known for one thing, now you're known for another, and you will still people, the right people will follow you. A lot of people who are starting out, they're very worried about being known for one thing. They want to do, they're multi-passionate. Right. What do you say to them? Multi, multi-passionate. That's such a nice way of putting it. I love that. They're multi-passionate, meaning they want to make money from everyone, right? Like that's what really it comes down to. Look, the fact is, particularly when you're just starting out, The smaller you can go, the further you can niche down that focus, the faster you're going to hit the ground running when you start out, right? So an example could potentially be someone who wants to be known in the basketball coaching world, right? Now, there's five positions on the basketball court. You've got a point guard, you've got a shooting guard, you've got two forwards, and you've got a center on the court, right? So instead of saying... I'm going to be known as someone who can help people become a great coach of basketball players. Instead of saying that, you could say, well, I'm going to be known as someone who can teach people how to become great coaches for centers or for point guards. You see what I mean? Just niching it down a little bit. Yes, I have a smaller target audience to serve, but that target audience is going to be that much more attracted to me because all I'm talking about all the time is how to become a great basketball center, not how how to become a great basketball player. Because as we all know, basketball centers are notoriously bad free throw shooters, right? So we don't need to teach them how to shoot free throws, but we do need to teach them how to catch rebounds and how to box people out of the key and all these other... I'm getting into basketball analogies now. Oh, yeah, and as, I don't understand anything. <laughs> but if, if there's any basketball fans that are, that are listening in or watching right now, they'll understand what I mean. But what I'm getting at here is that the analogy is to go as small as possible out of the gate so you can attract that rabid following of people. And further down the line, you can pivot a little bit. And then you can pivot a little bit more. But it's much, much better to start with a smaller market group that you want to try and attract and serve out of the gate than it is to try and go too broad. You know what I mean? We know that it's very hard to understand where beginners to really narrow it down and then still know that you can do everything. Like you said, people knew you as the VA guy, but when they came to a mastermind, 
you can do all the other things that you knew. Yes, yes. I remember actually very clearly, maybe a month or two after Virtual Freedom came out in 2014, the book was doing, I mean, it's done in, I mean, it's done incredibly well, way better than I ever thought it was going to do. Seriously, between you and me and the thousands of people listening to this right now, if you'd have told me when I launched that book that I'd have 850 plus five-star reviews for that book on Amazon, I never would have, I would have thought you were doggone crazy, I'll tell you. But it, <laughs> but it was in its height in 2014, it was doing very, very well indeed. Everyone was talking about it. I was on all the podcasts and all the rest of it, but I was at a mastermind and I remember sitting down and working with one of the people that was at the mastermind sessions with me who wanted, she wanted to publish her own book and market her own book to be able to use it as a positioning strategy to place her as a position of an expert in her industry, which is a great way to, to be able to position yourself is with a book. Because if you think about it, the book is basically a $20 business card is what it is, right? So bottom line is I, within 20 minutes, I gave her her entire marketing strategy for launching a book successfully. And she kind of just sat there and said, that was worth way more than the $1,000 I paid to be here today. And I also then realized that myself, right there and then, holy crap, I can actually coach people on how to launch a best-selling book now because I've done it myself. You see, as we go by with every action that we take, there's that reaction that we can bring on to ourselves in terms of our skill sets as well. When I first started one-on-one coaching, which is like the lowest hanging fruit for a youpreneur, is to ultimately trade your time for money, right? When I started coaching, I was a terrible coach, right? I would talk too much. I wouldn't listen properly. I wouldn't take a lot of notes and all that stuff. But then, you know, you fast forward two, three years later, and now I'm helping people go from five to six figures, from mid five figures to mid six figures, from six figures to seven figures. And I'm thinking to myself, now I'm actually a pretty good coach. See, you you gain these skill sets as you go through, as you build your own brand and your own business, you also gain those skill sets as well. So again, people will follow you as you pivot. People will also be able to smell the BS a mile away as well, right? So you can't fake it till you make it anymore. You you just will never make it if you try to fake your way there. So you've got to get those skill sets in place first and then take everybody to the next level yourself. Let's talk about personal branding because Youpreneur is very much about a personal brand. And you said you kind of went from running a business into building a personal brand with this pivot. Yeah, I mean, again, I didn't mean to do it. You know, when I started online, I guess it was just the natural conclusion or or maybe the natural outcome of all of the work that I had done up to that point. And when I say that point, I mean late 2012, early 2013, right? So, you know, within those few years, I'd published probably 300 blog posts. I had published over 100 podcast episodes, probably. You know, I I had been all over social media. I had done a certain amount of speaking. I had now just landed a book deal. And then you start to think, well, this is actually a personal brand, is what it is. I honestly feel that I was able to build the brand as professionally yet as flexibly as flexible as I did because I didn't set out to do it. It was just like a natural conclusion of that work, so to speak. But now, as I coach other people to build their brands and businesses around those brands, I see that, well, hell, if I had a coach like me, 
If I had youpreneur, when I was trying to do that, I would have done it in half the time. I would have made half the amount of mistakes. I would have spent half the money to get it done. And I would have been at a whole different level in a much, much shorter space of time because of all those things. So I think that building a personal brand is not for everyone. Not everybody wants to be front and center in their business. But if it is what you aspire to do, if it is something that excites you, if you do want to be seen as the go-to leader or a go-to source in your industry, then building a personal brand is absolutely required. I mean, you don't, you can't get away from it. You have to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And now you have your live event coming in November. How, you said this was a dream. I saw some of your ads and posts as well even after I signed up and I yes. was waiting for the VIP day and then you had it. I'm like, ah, I bought it right away. <laughs> so you said this has been a dream of yours for a while. It has. I mean, you know, I'm a very, very proud Brit. I'm a very proud Londoner as well, although I've not lived there for 16 years. I've I've been here in the Philippines for 16 years. It'll be actually be 17 years by the time the event comes around which yeah. is just no wonder I have no hair left. You know, that's a long time. <laughs> that's a very, very long time. So I, <laughs> it's always been a dream. Once I started doing live events, and I mean, you know, I've done some workshops and some masterminds and whatnot in England, but once I started doing bigger, more high-end live events, both in the US and here, obviously, with Tropical Think Tank, I always dreamed of doing something really big, something really game-changing in my hometown, in London. Yeah. Now, there's a problem with that, though. As great as London is, it's also one of the most expensive cities on the planet, right? So, know. you know, in fact, I think in one of our early promo videos for the event, I said something along the lines of, in the video of, uh, who doesn't want to buy overpriced coffee by the Thames or something along, along those lines? Because it is, everything's kind of overpriced. It's kind of silly, right? So when you start thinking about putting on an event, you instantly say, where do I hold it? Well, I'm an Englishman. I'm going to hold my event in London. There's there's no one who wants to go to Manchester. No one wants to go to Birmingham. Everybody that's not in England wants to come to London. They want the photo with Big Ben and they want the photo with the Queen and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So from day one, it was always going to be in London. Then it comes down to, well, now we've got to find a venue that's grand enough, big enough, but not ridiculously expensive. And unfortunately, it's not possible. I tried. I tried and I tried and I tried and I tried to find a venue that would, you know, personify what I'm all about as a Brit and as a business owner, as an entrepreneur and all that kind of stuff and have it be the size that I wanted it to be and everything. But I just couldn't find it without honestly having to pay through the roof for it. So we decided pretty early on that, you know, we would have to get to a certain threshold in terms of tickets sold to warrant going with the venue that we went with. It was a massive financial risk. I'm not going to lie. From an event organization perspective, your venue is always the big outlay. And we we didn't mess around. We went straight to the Queen Elizabeth II Convention Center, literally right around the corner from Big Ben. I mean, you can't get any closer. It's opposite Westminster Abbey. It's right opposite Westminster Abbey there on the Thames. And so... We knew that we'd have to sell, you know, a good couple of hundred tickets at a certain amount to pay for it. And we've been very, 
very, very, very blessed to have not only sold enough tickets, but to have sold out with our first event. And so not only not only am I not in debt putting the event on, yeah. <laughs> it's also going to be a full house. So it is, it's a dream come true to be able to put this event on in London. It really is. I want to thank you for doing this because there are not many events you can go to in Europe. We always have to fly it in America. Yep. I have lived in London, so I can absolutely understand you want to do it there. It's an amazing city. Yeah. And now it's sold out. So if anyone listening, can they not get a ticket anymore? Do they well, have to wait for the next year's event? What they can do, what they can do is they can go to youpreneursummit.com. I'm sure you'll link to it in show notes or whatever. Um, and they can hop on the wait list. So it is it is fundamentally sold out. However, with most events, we have had a few cancellations already. And I doubt that we'll go between now and the event and not have a few more. So there are a few tickets popping up here and there every now and then. And anybody that's on that wait list will get access to those tickets directly. So when we have a cancellation come in, we just fire off a quick email to everybody on that wait list and then it comes down to the point of being first come, first serve. So if you hop on the wait list and you get one of those emails, don't say, I'll do that later. You do it right bloody there and then because otherwise, two hours later, the ticket's going to be gone. That's how quickly <laughs> they go after we send those emails. It's kind of crazy. I am super excited about this event. Thank you again for doing it. I think you are doing an amazing job for entrepreneurs in Europe. Worldwide, of course, too. But in Europe, we need more role models. We need more events. And Chris, thank you for doing it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing it on the show as well. Thank you for being my guest. And I'm looking forward to see you in November. Want to turn your passion into profits? Get free access to the seven stages of a profitable online business by going to sigrun.com forward slash 54. There you'll also find links to Chris Ducker and show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share, subscribe and give the show a review on iTunes. See you in the next episode.